This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Alrighty, welcome back to Brojo Online. And today we're going to be diving deeply into the whole concept of being a nice guy. One of the things that I've noticed since I've started doing this work where I coach nice guys almost ex- exclusively is that there isn't just one type. That being a nice guy is a range of things. It's a spectrum of different behaviors, beliefs, and personality traits. And each type requires a different approach to manage and to live with or to overcome. So one of the first things you need to figure out on your journey of either overcoming nice guy syndrome yourself or if you're listening to this because you have a partner or a friend who you believe has the nice guy syndrome, then this podcast is going to be about how to specify which type you are and what the best approach is. So there's going to be four main types that we'll be talking about today. And they all range in a number of different factors that we'll be looking at, spectrums where they're differently placed. We're going to have a look at the difference between introverts and extroverts, how that plays out in nice guy syndrome. We'll have a look at the difference between those who, what I call shine, they seek approval, versus those who hide and avoid disapproval. Those are different strategies. We'll have a look at those who are outwardly focused versus those who are inwardly focused. So those who care what others think and pay most attention to that, versus those who care what they themselves think and pay most attention to that. And we'll also have a look at the difference between the high self-worth and the low self-worth. So being a nice guy isn't automatically low self-worth. You can be pretty upset with how things are going for you and yet still think of yourself as a good person, whereas some nice guys think of themselves as terrible people. You'll also, as soon as you hear this, you'll realize that there isn't a fixed position on any of these spectrums. You can fluctuate. Sometimes you think you're an awesome guy. Sometimes you think you're a loser. Sometimes you're very hidden. Sometimes you're outwardly spoken. Sometimes you care what you think. Sometimes you care what others think. What I'll be talking about with these types is what is is the place where you most live. So on these spectrums, the place where you spend most of your time. That'll be how we define the types. Your type won't be something that you are always all the time. It's the thing you're most likely to be, the tendency that you have. Some of you may even be 50-50 on two of the types. I uh, myself was kind of 50-50 on the first two that we'll be talking about. Or you may have spent periods of time in each. You started off as one type, and in order to fix that, you tried a strategy that just made you another type. And that's often a problem. As somebody, in order to try and overcome nice guy syndrome, they simply change what type of nice guy they are, and the problems that uh, arise from nice guy syndrome don't go away. So as you listen to this, or if you're listening to this you know, on, on the sake of your partner, there's kind of two questions you're looking to answer. One is, which of these types am I most of the time? Therefore, which strategies are going to be best for me in general? And then a second more contextual question that you ask yourself continually, what type am I being right now? And what's the best approach for that? So we're going to have a look at what to do when you're in each type, whether that's as a consistent long-term issue or it's just something that's happening right now in the moment. We're going to have a look at how each type comes with a core belief you know, that's actually how the types are separated, is the difference in their core belief. 
the one belief that kind of rules all of their social strategies. We'll have a look at which belief rules each type. We'll have a look at the frequent emotions and thoughts that you're likely to experience for each type. So this will help you figure out which type you are. If you identify as having a lot of the thoughts and emotions that we talk about for the type, then that's probably your one. We'll have a look at the common problems that being each type brings up for everybody. What's likely to be going wrong in your life because of being this type. And then, of course, solutions. Whether it's you or you're the partner of somebody who has this type, we're going to have a look at what behavior changes need to happen in order to break out of being this type and to become more genuine, have integrity, have more confidence. So, let's move into it. We're going to start with the first type, which is also my type. This is the one I most align with, and I've simply called it the performer. Now, the performer is someone who seeks approval actively. They somebody who happy to be in the spotlight. They quite literally perform. I was in a band. I would take any opportunity to be on stage and be center of attention. I like to be the funny guy in the group. Uh, I liked people looking at me and clapping and laughing and approving of me. I wasn't scared of being center of attention. I was actually scared of not being center of attention. I would often feel quite threatened if other people were. And the attention was being taken away from me. If I wasn't seen to be the best person in the room, I would often feel threatened and anxious. So the performer is a show-off. They highlight their strengths to gain approval, and of course, they hide their weaknesses. Now, the core belief underneath the performer goes something like this. I must be impressive, interesting, or positive to be seen as a good person. It's this kind of belief that comes with a burden, a a pressure to make other people feel good when they witness you, when they're in your presence. The kind of frequent feelings you'll get is a pressure to achieve and succeed, to win, to perform, to put on a show. You constantly feel pressured to do that. In fact, you feel uncomfortable when that's not happening. You find it hard to give up the spotlight. So you feel anxious when you're not being noticed or recognized. You feel anxious when somebody else is getting the approval you think you should be getting. You feel like there's a limited amount of approval for anybody in any given moment. And if someone else is getting it, it means you're missing out. So you become very needy for attention and approval. You often kind of throw out little pieces of performance that will get attention. You make people laugh or whatever it is. And you do it even when people are trying to be quiet. You're the kind of person who, this is what I used to do, if I'm in university sitting next to somebody in a lecture hall, I'll be constantly making funny little remarks about what the professor says instead of just letting my fellow students listen. Now, they would find me funny, but I'm guessing a lot of them found me quite annoying too. But I couldn't let hours go by without someone giving me a bit of approval, a bit of attention. And of course... This is an exhausting effort, so one of the common emotions and feelings you'll be getting is exhaustion, stress, the pressure of being the entertainer, of constantly being on. So, those are the kind of frequent feelings and and thought patterns that you'll be going through if you're the performer. And so the common problems you get most, most likely is burnout. So you'll just get exhausted. You'll have moments where you just don't want to be around anyone because it's just too much work. Uh, and you'll be quite stressed, you might put on weight and get unhealthy, 
You might need to see a counsellor. You might have chronic anxiety. I had chronic anxiety. I was just anxious all the time, especially before anything that involved interacting with other people uh, who weren't my family or close friends. All the pressure all the time, the constant effort, it's exhausting. You'll overcommit yourself. You find it hard to say no to anything. You want to be seen as the person who's always there, always ready, always able to put on a show. You have maybe shiny object syndrome. You always start new things, but you never finish them through at the end. You like the big show of getting started on something, but you don't like the monotonous, unrecognized kind of effort that comes from continuing something through to the end. And you'll probably have a lot of connections. So not all nice guys are unpopular. You might be very popular. But they'll be false connections or shallow. You might be in the friend zone, for example. Or you'll have a lot of people you call friends, but you don't have intimate connections with them. You might feel confident and comfortable in a group, but a lot of those people, if you were left one-to-one with them in an intimate setting, it would feel uncomfortable. So you're somebody who likes to put on a show in a kind of superficial way. But deep, vulnerable connections are actually quite scary. You'd rather keep somebody at a distance. So how does this manifest in behavior? Well, you're going to be showing off with the things you're good at. You perform on stage, for example. You let everyone see what your strengths are, and you never let them forget it. You'll help, and you'll give advice without being asked. You're always there to give a hand. You're always the hero, rescuing rescuing people from whatever suffering or minor inconvenience they might be experiencing. You make people laugh, you tell exaggerated stories, you constantly highlight all your strengths and achievements, you try to sound as interesting as possible, and you often go into levels of untruthfulness to sound more interesting than you would be if you were just talking about yourself honestly. You'll push yourself. You, you can be quite often a high achiever when you're this type of nice guy. But you'll push yourself to the point of exhaustion. You might succeed and achieve highly, but you won't really feel much reward in doing so. You'll just be looking for the next thing to succeed in. Especially when you're compared to other people. So like in an office setting, you'll try and get promotions all the time to beat your colleagues. You might try to get straight A's in school. Whenever it's you versus other people, you get very competitive if you think you can win. If you don't think you can win, you stay away from it completely. You stay away from areas where you won't be the hero, you won't be number one. And of course, you hide pain behind false positivity. You pretend to be unaffected by painful events and unbothered by the world. You're the kind of person who will make jokes at a funeral. You're the kind of person who will make jokes when anybody brings up something uncomfortable, or you'll change the subject, or you'll show off in some way to avoid something getting too intimate. So this is the performer type of nice guy, this extroverted, approval-seeking, outwardly focused, high self-worth person, essentially, in general. Now, if you're this type of person, a lot of what you're going to need to do is to let go of impressing people. A lot of this is going to be about letting people see the dark side, letting them people see when you're weak, tired, antisocial, confused, not good enough. All the things that you hide behind this performance, the key is in revealing these things, letting other people take the spotlight, letting other people be seen as better than you, letting some people judge you as being uninteresting, boring, unhelpful even, selfish. All those things you would actually be if you weren't performing. I mean, ultimately, uh, 
the solution to all these nice guy problems will be to be more genuine. But specifically, this we're going to look at what each type hides, and, and what the performer hides is the dark side. They hide where they suck. Even when they talk about their dark side, they make it into something that's entertaining, like, for example, self-deprecating humor. I used to often talk with people about how terrible my sex life was, and how uninteresting and, and uneventful it was, but I did so in such a funny way that they always thought I was joking, even though I was talking about quite a painful experience. I never let people see that I was actually affected by it. I used myself as a source of entertainment. Now, if you're the partner of somebody like this, it's about enabling them to feel safe to turn off their performance. You're going to have to dig for their dark side. If you're a partner, they're going to seem... This is a person you'll feel like you have a shallow connection with them. Like everything's all good all the time and they don't want to talk about painful things. They never argue. They're overly agreeable. And you'll find that quite often you get the worst treatment as well. So they'll put on a big show for other people. And then when they get home, they're boring and uninteresting because they're exhausted. Like most uh, support that nice guys need, they just need to be called out on their bullshit. And what you can do is you can help him to feel safe to talk about his dark side. You can make it like a routine where you ask them, okay, so what was difficult today? Where did you notice yourself trying to seek approval today? Uh, what are you anxious about at the moment? What's hard for you? And don't let the answer ever be nothing. So if you can't think of anything, just move up through your list until you find the least enjoyable thing and tell me about that. So what's the least enjoyable thing happening in your life at the moment? Make it so they can't answer with, hey, I'm fine, everything's all good, because that's never true for any human on the planet. No human feels that way, so any time your nice guy tells you he's fine, he's lying to you. And he should be challenged as such. Why do you lie to my face, you should say. Don't you love me? You know, no, don't use that, but... The point being is they hide their, their, their darkness behind false positivity that's builds up into anger and resentment later on because they're not being recognized. So call them out on that. Let's move on to the next type. I call it the controller, and this is often what a performer will also be because it's the other extroverted type. So the controller and the performer often overlap with each other or they're a strategy to solve each other. So when Performing's not working, the person becomes a controller. When controller's not working, the person starts to perform. Now, the controller is a manipulator, a social manipulator who uses psychological techniques to adapt. They're the chameleon. The controller is somebody, they're different with every person they interact with. They match the person in terms of what they need or want. The controller is essentially a, a master of camouflage, but it's quite active camouflage. They engage. They don't hide in the background. But the way they engage is actually a type of performance, but it's a type of performance designed specifically to suit you as an individual, the, the observer of this controller. So when you're with a controller, they're going to match what you like, what turns you on, what you're attracted to, what you approve of. And that might be completely different from the person they were hanging out with yesterday. A controller is like someone with split personalities. They can be all sorts of different things. And I used to adapt. The controller was kind of like my secondary type. You know, if I was talking to a bunch of laborers, I'd be rough and ready and lots of sick humor and like manly banter. And if I was hanging out with women, I'd be sensitive and caring and really interested in stuff all the time and 
You know, if I was hanging out with the band, then I'd be laid back. Who gives a fuck? Fuck the government. You know, I, I was a different person depending on my audience. And I'd go to the performer when I was in an audience that was too big for me to adapt to. So if I was around, like, lots of different types of people and I couldn't pick one type to make them all happy, then I'd perform instead. I'd become the funny guy that everybody likes. But when I was one-to-one, I'd adapt to people. I'd become the controller. So the core belief at the heart of being a controlling nice guy is this idea, I must react differently to each person. I must give them what they want and make them like me. And this is where, like, people get into the pickup artist thing. The pickup artist mentality is firmly in the controller type. I will adapt to what other people like so that they will like me. Whereas a performer is more generalized, I will do things that most people like. And I'm partly doing it just to impress myself. I want to show off. Whereas a controller is like, no, I'm going to sophisticate, you know, it's a more sophisticated approach. I'm going to look at this individual, figure out what's best for them and keep fine tuning my performance. So they like me more and more. So what goes on inside the controller? Well, you're going to have frequent feelings of hypersensitivity to how people react to you. You're always watching carefully how people feel, how they look at you, their body language. You're constantly measuring, assessing, and adjusting. And because of that, you're very sensitive to how other people feel. You actually have quite high empathy in a sense. Though you can have quite psychopathic people in the controller space who don't care how other people feel, but they know how to measure it and adapt to it. You'll probably have frequent feelings of resentment, a sense of unfairness, especially after rejection, because you work so hard to make people like you. When they don't, it feels like, uh, like a poor return on investment. It feels very unfair, like you do more work than anybody else and you're not getting rewarded for it. You'll have deep fears around your reputation. You'll care very much what other people think of you. And you'll be worried about how they're going to pass that message on. You know, if you had, say, a bad sexual experience with a girl, your first thought will be like, oh my god, what, she's going to, what is she going to tell her friends? How do I manage this situation? You know? You'll be needy for love and sex, but you'll be scared of people getting too close. You're okay with them loving your manipulation. But you don't let them see who you are because you don't want that to be connected to them. You don't want them to be in a position where they can hurt you. You don't mind them rejecting your manipulation as long as they're not rejecting who you really are. And that's that's how the kind of control works. It keeps people at a distance. You're getting their approval and love without you having to give them love and vulnerability. And when you're not in control socially, you'll start to feel very vulnerable and unsafe. The controller has to be in control or they start to feel very scared and they'll probably slip into one of the other types that we'll talk about soon, one of the more observing types, the sit back and don't be seen. Whereas a performer will constantly try and put on a show, a controller will put on a show until they think they're going to fail to do so and then they'll hide. So common problems that the controller has, flakiness. People lose interest in you unexpectedly over time. They stop texting you back. They don't want to hang out with you. It seems like everything was going well and then the person just drops off. And you can't figure out why. This happens a lot to guys who are into pickup. They'll meet a girl at a bar. Things seem to be going so well. She might even say things like, Oh my god, you're the most interesting guy I've ever met. And yet the next day she doesn't text back. And it's so confusing and annoying. You start to blame women. Maybe even get a little misogynistic. What the problem is happening is 
a manipulation is not something that someone can fall in love with. They can just be briefly entertained by it. And afterwards, when the dust settles and they're not around to manipulate them and they've got time to think, they realize that you're kind of a surface-level shallow thing, a thin slice. It makes them uncomfortable. They're not sure exactly why they're uncomfortable. There isn't coherent thoughts. They just know that being around you is somehow dangerous. Just like you feel when the car salesman comes up to talk to you. He's got a big smile on his face and he seems really breezy, but you feel like somehow this conversation is going to end with you having less money. And so you run away. That's the kind of reaction the controller often gets. The suspicious sales type reaction. You'll probably have a problem with fluctuating motivation to socialize. You have cycles of just giving up because it's too much effort. You have times where you just don't want to see anyone for lengthy periods of time because it's just too much work. You know, just like the performer. You'll have the problem of constantly being disrespected or distrusted. You might be passed over for a promotion. Somebody won't recommend you to their friends for a blind date. Whatever it is, this idea that you just like... People don't really want to reference you. They don't seem to want to pass you on, even if they give you approval. And a very common problem, a weird one, is sex addiction. Because the controller is controlling, when he has uncomfortable emotions, he tries to cope with those in a controlling way. He's very very unlikely to use acceptance strategies. And because he's also tied in with approval, especially approval from people he's attracted to, Sex becomes a coping mechanism and can often become an addiction. So porn, masturbation, sex workers, and if the guy's a player, real-life women. But no deep connection, just a craving for more sex that can never be satisfied for very long. So a lot of the actions that you'll see from the controller type of nice guy, well, as I mentioned, pick up. Using strategies to make you appear more attractive. Trying to score numbers. You know, whether it's phone numbers, kisses, sex... You always try to rack up a quantity of approval and validation. The quality is often unimportant. It's not unusual for a controlling type, for example, to have a lot of friends, but none of them are very high quality. He won't really care as long as there's lots of them. Same with the the woman that he hook up that he hooks up with. The controller's the most likely type to cheat in a relationship because one woman giving him approval isn't a high enough quantity. He needs to control everybody. A controller will use very indirect ways of communicating because he doesn't want to get rejected. It's ultimately what he's avoiding. So, for example, if he feels attraction, he'll compliment you on your dress, something you can't reject, but something that shows interest. And other forms of emotion. He'll use passive-aggressive displays to show that he's angry, but he'll never, you'll never be able to call him out for being angry or sensitive. He'll constantly show how he feels in such a way that you can't call him out for it. You can't, he can't be held to account for anything. And so he can maintain his kind of position. Obviously, he's the chameleon. He'll change depending on who he's around. You know, you'll find if you're a controlling type that you're carefully assessing, in a, a kind of an automatic subconscious way, who's around and what's needed for them. And your behavior will shift accordingly. You might even imitate the person you're with, do mirroring and other techniques. You might even do this consciously. Or it might just be more of a habit. You talk like the people you're talking to. You dress the same as them. You copy their body language. You try to fit in. You'll also use quite passive techniques to influence people. You know, sulking, uh, punishment techniques. You know, you use reward and punishment to make people do what you want. 
And occasionally this will all get too much for you and you'll explode. You'll have these anger tantrums that seem to come out of nowhere. They might even scare you a bit. You might come to brief periods of like hatred. Like uh, you become misogynistic or you think the world's against you. You feel like things are so unfair and you're a good guy and why aren't you getting rewarded? So there's a lot of crossover with the performer here. But it's much more deliberate and sophisticated. The performer just kind of puts on a show for everybody. And the controller is more like working people through one at a time, making them each like him. Now, if you are this type, the controller type, the upside is you've learned a lot of great social skills, probably. You're just applying them in a very kind of uh, unethical way. Again, we've got to look at what are you hiding. And just like the performer, you're often hiding your weaknesses. You're hiding things that you think are unattractive. Things that might lead to rejection. And what you need more than anything else is to become familiar and okay with rejection. To let people dislike you. Which means not trying to fit in. But also not trying to stand out. And this is where it gets a little difficult. So often a controller will be like, I'll stop trying to fit in. So they'll become a performer, which is somebody who stands out on purpose. Stands out even when they shouldn't be standing out. And that kind of thing. But mostly the kind of work you need to do as a controller is inner work. It's not so much about what was going on with other people. But you've decided that who you are isn't good enough for other people, and so you constantly try to be something else. Now this is true of almost all nice guys, but it's most true for the controller. You've really... You know, the performer kind of has high self-worth a lot of the time. The controller might feel like he's a good person and that he's a worthy person a lot of the time, but his behavior shows that he's not willing to let himself be seen, which means he must have low self-worth. You're also very fixated on outcomes, other people liking you, proving of you through sex or compliments or whatever it is that you're trying to manipulate out of them. You know, this is your source of of kind of power, of self-worth. You use people, you're trying to squeeze outcomes out of them, and you've come to a very belief, you know, a belief system that says, I need outcomes. The inner work needs to be done there. You need to learn how to let go and just enjoy the process of connecting with people rather than it having to lead somewhere. Because you know from experience by now that even when it does lead somewhere, you're not satisfied for very long. You're straight back on the hunt again. If it really was the right path to go and get those outcomes... You wouldn't be listening to this. You'd be satisfied with your life all the time. It's about essentially being much more honest around your intentions. Okay, if that was one behavior change, I'd say for the controller, start telling people about what you're trying to do. What your secret hidden agenda is. When you're trying to pick up someone, tell them that you're trying to sleep with them. When you're trying to manipulate someone into caring for you with sulking, tell them that you're sulking to get their attention. You know, when you're changing based on being around someone who's slightly different to the last person you're around, tell them that you have this habit of adjusting to who you're with and you're trying to break it. Let them see what you're trying to do. Because when you do that, you can't control anymore. And this will help you get used to the idea of being out of control. Of being out of the, uh, out of, off the throne. Letting other people react to you however they're going to naturally, rather than trying to force a reaction. Now, if you're a partner of this type of person, you're probably having a pretty hard time with them because they will constantly be trying to fix you, constantly trying to make you feel good about them, and it'll be exhausting for you. 
And you'll get a sense of being with a slippery salesperson, like, who is this person really? The approach is very similar to what I talked about with the performer. You've got to encourage the controller to feel safe to reveal who they really are. To call out what you think are manipulative strategies. Tell them when you think they're trying to use compliments to flatter you. Or when they're trying to use sulking to maneuver you passively. Or whatever. Call out what you think they're trying to do. Now I've got to be careful out of all the types of nice guy to be in a relationship with. This is probably the most dangerous type. The controller is the most likely one to have an explosive tantrum and leads to violence or really abusive behavior. It's got to be said, most of the psychopathic nice guys are in the controller type. Okay, the ones that don't actually have real empathy. Or a sort of trained, what I call trained psychopaths. They do have empathy, but it was squashed a long time ago and now they've become resentful and bitter. So most of the time I'd say if you are in a relationship with a controller, the best thing you could probably do is break up with them. For their long-term benefit and for yours. That's got to be said. Especially if they're not willing to change. And by willing to change, I mean they demonstrate that with long-term changes in behavior. Not they say they're willing to change. That doesn't mean anything. Any nice guy who says they're going to change, you can take that as a lie. Until you see behavior that proves it for a long period of time. Nice guys are pretty good at short bursts of impressive behavior. To kind of throw you off and make you think things are different. But they can't hold it up for very long. I'd say three months is a good testing mark. Like if they've started being more whatever it is that you want, see if it lasts three months. And if not, it may as well never have happened because they haven't actually changed. Let's move on to the last two types which are in the introvert category. So the first two are extroverted primarily. And the next two are more introverted. These are the ones who are hiding more. They're more inwardly focused. And they often have lower self-worth. We'll start with what I call the observer. So this is the shy, left-out wallflower. They fly under the radar. They avoid disapproval. Then They don't feel the confidence to try and get approval and put on a show. They try to simply avoid negative reviews. They're trying to go unnoticed. So they get approval by default. You know, they get a zero rating, neither negative nor positive. And a zero kind of is positive because there's no negative consequences. So the core belief for the observer, I must avoid being noticed. I must not be controversial so that I don't get humiliated, embarrassed, abandoned, or hated. So they're constantly trying not to have things happen. Whereas the previous two types are constantly trying to make things happen. So when you think of the observer, think of the shy person, the shy nice guy. That's the observer. So what does the observer frequently feel? Chronic anxiety and a really strong tendency towards quiet introversion. They're, they're very noisy inside their head, but externally you barely hear a peep out of them. You know, if you, if you were to ask a group of people, hey, who wants to share? They're the ones who will go last. And they'll avoid doing it at all if they can. They often feel loneliness. Even in groups of people, they can be surrounded by people that are called their friends and they feel isolated. They feel like the friendships are tentative and unsecure. That everybody could leave them at any time, that they're not really deeply connected to anybody or anything. In fact, they usually only don't, you know, they often only feel lonely around other people. Though, of course, they will have many sleepless nights wishing they had more friends and so on. You'll be frustrated if you're an observer, you're frustrated not being able to express yourself clearly or not being listened to. 
Those few times where you do try to speak up, how people talk over you or ignore you, they'll bother you. You'll be depressed, probably. Or you'll have waves of depression mixed with the anxiety. You have this crushing, hopeless feeling like you just don't have what it takes to turn this thing around. You can barely sort of survive. You know, you've just got the tools to avoid being hated, to let alone being liked, which is too much of an ask. And you constantly worry about being caught out, about being put in the spotlight. You have this kind of fear of being noticed, of that something bad will happen if everyone pays attention to you closely. Common problems that you'll have? You'll be stuck with people who approve of you, even if you don't really like them. You might have a bad fit social circle, even toxic friends. Or just be surrounded by people that you don't really connect with, simply because they don't reject you. You just kind of tack on to any group that will have you. Which will often be, you know, sometimes you'll be thinking, why am I friends with these people? And the answer is simply, well, because they don't hate you. You'll be overthinking, constantly worrying what other people are thinking and feeling. You might not say anything about it, you might not actively try to fix them like the first previous two types. But you'll constantly worry about it, you're waiting for someone to turn on you, for something bad to happen. You have to guess what people are thinking all the time. When someone's upset, you assume it's going to have something to do with you. And you're just common problem, you're just unable to speak up and share ideas. The conversation moves on without you. You feel like you're ten steps behind. The thing you wanted to say, they finished talking about that, you know, 15 minutes ago. You're the person who's constantly frustrated in the team meeting because you've got all these ideas, but you never get a chance to say them. It feels like you have to interrupt people just to speak, and you don't want to be rude, so you never get to speak. It's constantly stuck watching feeling. The kind of actions? Well, there's a passive thing I call green light syndrome. You wait to be asked before you contribute. You're waiting for permission and encouragement before you step up. You never lead, or barely ever lead. You always follow, and you have to follow a pretty clear signal. If you don't get a clear signal, you don't move. You're constantly watching and observing from the sidelines, even when you've got stuff to say. You listen much more than you talk. A significantly amount more than you talk. You might even be able to convince yourself that you're a good listener or that you're empathetic, but the truth is you're just scared to share. And you hide behind listening. When you do talk, you probably ask questions, which encourages the other person to do the work. You probably distract yourself during social events. You're the one at the party who's kind of hiding in the corner scrolling through his phone. Or drinking excessively to overcome social anxiety. You avoid any chance of being spotted. You'll attend social events just to fit in, but you'll barely participate in those social events. You'll go to parties, activities, concerts, whatever, but you go there just to be there physically. You don't actually engage or interact very much. You just kind of show up. Maybe you just don't go to anything at all. And you'll back down in disagreements. If something starts becoming controversial or confrontational, You'll quickly talk yourself out of it. Make sure you don't go anywhere near something bad happening. You'll even talk yourself out of a confrontation. You'll talk yourself into believing that you you now agree, or that it's not a big deal to you, or you don't want to go into it. Even though you kind of know you're lying, and it is a big deal to you, and you would like to go into it, you're just too scared of the consequences. You prefer to avoid the hassle. Well, this is a very tough one to be. This is the kind of person who gets bullied. And this kind of person can feel very, very lonely, have almost no friends or no one they can call a best friend. They might have never had a relationship in their life. The previous two types can have lots of friends and lots of relationships, but they're superficial. 
The observer might have none. It might feel completely alone. Or just have a couple, but they're often only in close friendships with people just like them. So two followers being friends together, kind of clinging together for survival. In terms of actions, what you need is slow, gentle practice and putting yourself in the limelight. You've got a lot of good things to say, a lot of good things to share. You just don't have a record of experience that tells you it's safe to do so. So things like Toastmasters, or just pushing yourself to speak up a little bit more, of only going to social events if you're sure that you're going to participate, not allowing yourself to go to anything that you're just going to sit on the sidelines and watch. Trying to find something that you can lead. You know, maybe there's a project at work that you can lead on, or a presentation you can give. I would sometimes become this when I was very new. If I went to, like, say, a new dance class for the very first time, I'd be in the observer state. It'd take me a little while to switch over to performer. I'd have to get good at dancing before I became the performer type. But all I need to do is just contribute a little bit. Push yourself to just say a little bit more every now and then. I really highly recommend Toastmasters. I've never done Toastmasters myself because I'm extroverted. I guess I, you know, that, that wasn't the main issue for me. But I've had a lot of my introverted clients, my observer type clients, um, sing praises of Toastmasters. It's good, safe practice in a comfortable, encouraging audience for you to get on stage, speak, be center of attention for very brief periods of time, slowly build it up, and become more comfortable with speaking in front of a crowd. You know, that will go a long way. And also just leading your own life. You know, decide for yourself what you want to do for a job, what you want to do for hobbies, what you want to do for your health, what you want to do on a Saturday morning. Make decisions without waiting for someone else to approve. If you want to go do something social and no one else is doing it, then go alone. Learn to go without approval of other people. It's huge. Now, if you're the partner of this type of person, you'll probably become quite masculine. You'll take over the leadership role, which they will encourage, you know, the observer will encourage. You've got to give them back some leadership. You're going to have to step off the, uh, the kind of pedestal. It's very hard for partners of observers because they often write emails to me like, why won't he lead more? And I have to tell them, well, you're not leading him. How, how's he supposed to lead if you're leading everything? If you're making all the decisions, what's left for him? So you can actually start handing decisions over to them. And I've had a lot of observer types really get into this. The partner goes, you know what, from now on, you decide where we go to eat. And he, he actually, he'll get a thrill out of this. Now, you've kind of led him to be a leader. That's kind of like holding him by the hand. But once he gets going, he'll enjoy it. The key is you have to let him get it wrong. Because that's what he's scared of. He's scared that if he does lead, he'll make a wrong step, he'll make a mistake, he'll be imperfect. And quite often, what happens in their relationships with nice guys is they make a step, and then they get told off by their partner for doing it wrong, which puts them off trying at all, especially initiating sex. No matter how wrong he does it, you have to at least recognize that he did it. Give him recognition for leading. doesn't mean you have to pretend he did it well. You can tell him what mistakes you think he made, but make sure the very first thing you tell him is how stoked you are that he's taking on a leadership role and he's being decisive. Tell him how stoked you are and, and, you, and you want him to continue it. Tell him if, even if he gets it wrong, he should try again and again. That you love it that he's trying. Alright, let's move on to the final type. This is probably the most painful type to be, I think. The one we're about to talk about. All of them are painful, don't get me wrong. And almost all of them eventually become this final one, which is the critic. Where the critic spends the most time 
is in the space between their ears, inside their head. The critic is a judgmental introvert who constantly beats themselves up for any social failure, in fact for all failures, regardless. They're often quite judgmental about other people without realising it, because they're constantly comparing themselves to others, which means they're judging the other people. But the core belief of the critic is, there is something wrong with me. I'm not good enough, I'm incomplete, I'm probably unlovable, and I definitely don't love myself. The critic spends a lot of time in their own head being very negative. Now obviously all nice guy types will eventually slip into being this one. You know, usually in times of stress, they just give up and they just start beating themselves up. But the critic type is the one who spends most of his time here. He's also introverted as in he might be on the uh, the shy wallflower at the party, but whereas like the observer is watching everybody else and wishing wistfully that they could participate, the critic's lost inside their own world going, fuck, I'm a loser. So the frequent feelings that the critic has is self-loathing, constantly not good enough thoughts, constantly uh, measuring themselves as having failed, denying their strengths, denying their achievements, writing off anything that went well as a bit of luck or as still not good enough, could have been done better. Constant self-punishment. Confusion about why it's so fucking hard to live. Why everything's so difficult, why, why there's barriers in front of them every step of the way. This kind of hopeless, powerless feeling that nothing they do will ever be good enough. No matter how hard they try, it doesn't work. Whereas the observer will be lonely around other people, the critic feels lonely when they're by themselves, because when it's just them with themselves... It's them with a critic. You know, their relationship with themselves is so negative that it's like being around someone who hates you all the time. The critic quite often has deep sadness, a sense of unfairness, like like you've been dealt a shit hand. The kind of feeling that, say, somebody who's severely physically disabled might feel about their body. It's kind of like, why me? You know, why was I lumped with being a loser? You know, how unfair is that? Whereas, say, the controller will feel that things are unfair, but they'll blame the outside world. They'll think that other people are being unfair to them, the world's being unfair to them. The critic is much more internal with that sense of unfairness. He thinks, why am I like this? And blames himself for everything that's wrong. So common problems for the critic, at the worst, suicidality, chronically anxious and depressed. Real strong psychological issues. All nice guys have psychological issues, but the the critic has the most dangerous ones in terms of self-harm and and self-loathing. Critic probably has almost no social life. They have to invite themselves to social events. They're left alone if they don't. They don't get a lot of invitations. You know, they're, they're not doing anything very active and they're kind of miserable to be around. Whereas, say, like, the first two types will often brag about their strengths. The critic will often moan about their weaknesses. Just like... The second two types, the observer and the critic, if they do speak up honestly, they're quite happy to talk about their darknesses. They'll kind of talk about what they suck at and why they're useless and why they shouldn't participate. Whereas the first two will talk about their strengths. And that's what I mean by, like, nice guys are quite different types. One nice guy brags and the other nice guy is self-deprecating. You know, the common problem with the critic, you're unable to take compliments or to even believe that other people can like you or love you. You'll struggle to believe it, and you'll fight against it, you'll dismiss it, you'll push back on any sort of recognition or achievement. 
you know, whereas the performer will lap up all the compliments they can get. A critic will push back on them, might even like hurt the other person's feelings if you try to compliment them. They'll tell them that they're wrong. And of course, the most common problem is you're just trapped inside your head. Obsessive, compulsive, negative thought patterns, and you're just drowning in them all day, every day almost. So the kind of actions you're likely to see, a lot of avoidance. Avoidance of social situations, excusing yourself from invitations and opportunities, avoiding clearly like open doors for, for dates and parties and whatever. You just stay back from it. You might be compulsively playing video games, watching porn, any other sort of distraction that keeps you isolated, even to the point of becoming an addiction, something that just gets you out of your head in this kind of numbing way. You'll struggle to be present in social situations, way too much overthinking and mind reading. You spend most of your time assuming that other people dislike you for some reason. That might be a bit extreme, but you get the point. You're judgmental of others, constantly assessing everybody. Are they better or worse than you? Are they better or worse than each other? Are they a good person or a bad person? You can't just let people just be people. You've got to figure out what, what they are and how, they, how you compare to that. You look at a lot of probably their materialistic things. How rich are they? How good looking are they? How popular are they? And you compare that to your own statistics. And you usually keep looking till you find someone who you fail against. And you go, ha, see, I am a loser. You brood, you get lost in your thoughts, daydreaming, fantasizing, self-defeating. So, what is a critic to do? Or should I say, also, what is any of the nice guy types to do when they get into the critic mindset? Whereas the other nice guy types, a lot of their recovery will come from behavior in terms of what they go and do socially that's different. Be more honest, be more assertive, be more compassionate and attentive, whatever it is that suits their type. The critic of all of them is the one I most believe needs outside help, therapy or coaching. For the critic, it's about philosophy. I recommend getting into Stoic philosophy, particularly. It's very good for somebody who spends a lot of time attached to thoughts. And I recommend acceptance and commitment therapy or coaching, which is all about letting go of thoughts and coming back to the present moment. So you're not going to be able to turn off that not good enough story, but you can learn how to live with it in a much healthier way. And I think that's the main issue for the, the critic and for other nice guy types who slip into critic mode. You need to learn to understand those voices in your head aren't the truth, they're just voices. And believing them and obeying them like instructions is going to make your life awful. It's your behavior and reaction to the thoughts that hurts you, not the thoughts themselves. So I recommend therapy and coaching for people who are in the critic type or for other nice guy types who get stuck in the critic. And if you're a partner of this type of person, it's simply about encouraging them to get support and not trying to be that support for them. Most people are not trained as uh, psychologists or coaches. When they try to support someone who's like this, they tend to make it worse. They argue against their thoughts. They try to tell them that they're a good person. None of this works on a critic. It actually just feeds the problem. A lot of things that would work on somebody else who was just feeling temporarily down uh, has a counterproductive effect on the critic. The critic needs a totally different and well-trained approach. So that brings us to the end. Those are the four types of nice guy. And of course, you're not going to be just one type all the time. You'll mix it up. And occasionally you'll do things that I haven't described at all. Occasionally you'll even be authentic. You know, God forbid. But I wanted to give you this just to kind of give you a starting point. Sometimes it helps to put a label on it, at least temporarily. 
to give you some focus as to what you need to be doing differently and to understand even if you've read, say, No More Mr. Nice Guy, that book, parts of it might not apply to you because you're a certain type. In fact, that's almost definitely going to be the case. And there is no one solution to being a nice guy. Now, one thing that almost no nice guy does well is be accurately honest. Okay? So the performer hides their darkness, so that's dishonesty. The controller hides their intentions, that's dishonesty. The observer is overly negative about themselves and doesn't speak up, that's dishonesty. And the critic only focuses on what's wrong, and that's a form of dishonesty. So all of them are slightly dishonest, and it's learning to be more honest in the specific way that they're not being that helps balance things out, helps get them into a more, uh, what you might call, integrated masculine, a person who lives with integrity, as opposed to kind of a skewed type. Now, for those of you who want help, this is what I'm here for. I can work with all of these types and provide the support that you need. And you can get in touch with me, dan at brojo.co.nz. I run both one-to-one and now group coaching programs for nice guys. So you can split the cost with some friends who are just like you. Uh, And of course, for the partners who are listening, I do couples coaching. And I almost exclusively work with couples where the guy is a nice guy. One of these four types that I've described. And you can get in touch with me too. Otherwise, just go ahead with the... The tips and advice that works for you, ignore what doesn't, and I'll see you all next time. (laughs) 